Welcome to the Global Australian Podcast. I'm Johanna Pittman, CEO of Advance, the Global Australian Network. We're the non-profit organisation committed to strengthening Australia by nurturing a globally connected mindset at home and abroad. One of the ways we do this is by shining a spotlight on the impact of extraordinary global Australians. In this podcast series, we meet 25 game changers recognised in the 2023 Global Australian Awards. These remarkable individuals generously share their stories with us, giving us insight into their international career journey, its highlights and challenges, and what motivates them in their work. I hope you enjoy getting to know the inspiring game changers of 2023. In this episode, you will meet Dr. Cleanne Gabriel, who was announced the recipient of the Global Talent Award. The Global Talent Award recognises individuals who have migrated to Australia in the last 10 years, become Australian citizens, and are having a significant and positive impact in their sector. Dr. Cleanne Gabriel is a director of KPMG Australia, based in Brisbane and the firm's head of decarbonisation transformation. She is a sustainable development specialist, consultant, author, educator and public speaker with a decade and a half of global experience as a leader in her field. Let's say you are addressing maybe a high school audience. How would you describe what you do day to day? So throughout my entire career, a lot of the work that I do involves bringing people together from multiple disciplines, multiple uh, uh, specialties and areas of expertise towards a common understanding of challenges around sustainability and also towards finding solutions that we think can help to solve some of these challenges around sustainability. And so what does that look like on a day-to-day basis, how you bring them together, but also what sort of challenges within the sustainability space do you find yourself working on? Yeah, so on a day-to-day basis, what that means is that Within any organization or across different parts of society, I am working with people who are usually performing different functions. So it might be I'm working with the finance guys, I'm working with people who work in operations and procurement, I work with people who work on climate change policy, um, on actual modelers and IT and tech people. And the, the, the interesting thing about sustainability more broadly and climate change specifically is that there is no one-size-fits-all solution and we need every single one of those people, every single one of those uh, those disciplines and those functions to be at the table, co-solving this challenge so that we can find solutions that not only work, but that last so that we don't run the risk of repeating a lot of the mistakes that we've made in the past that got us to this, um, this uh, <laughs> point in time in the first place. And when you were, let's say, in high school and university, did you always expect to be working in the sustainability space? Was this always your goal? Um, I don't know if I would describe it as a goal. I think when I was in high school, when I was quite young, I spent, I was always passionate about sustainability. Um, my ge- geography was always my favorite subject, environmental studies, but I also really loved studying foreign languages and I loved to travel. So um, over time that evolved in just a really broader concern for the world, um, in particular the natural and physical environment. And then the more I learned about it, the more I realized actually that we had a people 
problem, not so much an environmental problem. So I was really um, passionate, always have been, about how we can bring people along, get people to almost a common language, common understanding um, of some of these big, grand, wicked challenges we face. So I, I wouldn't say I had pinpointed the goal of working in sustainability quite early, but I, I was always quite passionate um, about it. And within that space, and particularly working in that space for many years, um, many of us lament the slow pace of change. And I'm not sure, what does that look like? What do the challenges look like for you on a day-to-day -day basis? And um, some, can you share some of the frustrations you've faced over the years? Look, absolutely. I think so today, um, the challenges and the highlights of my job are almost the same thing. It's challenging because I'm working with people from different parts of the business, different parts of the world, and it's just difficult to come to a common understanding and agreement just when you're working across um, such complexity. But that's also the highlight of, of my job is that I get to work uh, every single day with people from all these different backgrounds. I get to, you know, to work with just a variety of ideas um, and um, backgrounds and different entry points into a particular problem. I'd say over the years, though, what I've seen is where sustainability, as far as in my observation, has always been considered more of a niche uh, career. Because um, I started off with a science degree in environmental management and geography, and that was always considered very niche. Um, and uh, people would, would look to sustainability usually only when they absolutely had to when they were forced to do it. And it, even then it would sort of be sort of ring-fenced around one particular solution for one part of a business. Now what I'm seeing is that sustainability is across the entire business and actually much more so across an entire supply chain. We're working across um, our borders globally, across uh, our supply chains, upstream and downstream and supply chains to solve sustainability challenges. And I'm seeing more and more that, that organizations are engaging more proactively in sustainability. Um, Mostly because, you know, they're finding that customers are demanding it, that their uh, boards of directors and other stakeholders, their investors are demanding it and are asking the really challenging questions. And so it's sustainability now has hit the bottom line for a number of business organizations around the world. And it's sort of elevated the environmental and social quests of many of us who've been doing this for a long time, whereas we were potentially relegated to the background in a very niche area before. Now we're really at the forefront of those solutions um, in market. And it's actually, it's really quite encouraging to see. Absolutely. You mentioned about your love of uh, languages also in, in high school and when uh, growing up, you. And you studied in many different countries before moving to Australia. Can you tell us about that journey and how you came to study in different places and, and how that helped build your skills mm. and expertise in this field? Absolutely. Look, um, so my first sort of longer term experience living outside of Trinidad and Tobago where I'm from was in Canada. So I spent a year there on exchange at the York University. Um, and Toronto, if you've ever lived there, is just a real melting pot of people from all over the world. So that I was addicted to travel after that. I had to live in other places after that first experience. And then um, I spent a year studying Japanese. 
um, and I could read the really simple Japanese writing, understand some of the simple language, and then I went to Japan and I lived there for one year, and I was I'm a chronic chronic multitasker, so I studied and worked at the same time. So I did. I was doing my masters, and I did some courses in mostly in English, but I also took Japanese courses as well. And at the same time, I was doing some work for the um, the German and Japanese um, governments, the ministries of environment there as well, and some research work in Japan. Then I was then I lived in Europe, specifically in Germany. Uh, I can't. I think it's maybe about three years there. I was working on some European Commission projects. They were funded by the European Commission. And actually at that time, I was based at what I think was at that time the world's first 100% uh, considered um, environmental campus, 100% renewables, um, based in Germany. And it was called the Environmental Campus Birkenfeld. It was um, funded by the, one of the UN agencies. And so I picked up German there. Uh, while I was living in Germany. I studied French in high school, so I could also use my French because I lived quite close to the French border. From Germany, I, um, I moved to New Zealand, and that's where I did my doctorate. Uh, but again, as a chronic multitasker, <laughs> I did a lot of work. I, had a, I started a business in New Zealand. Um, I was doing some academic work. I did some consulting um, for one of the ministries in New Zealand, some work for the World Bank and, um, and AusAid in Vanuatu to bring um, solar lights to people who could not afford to get um, you know, electricity in some of the remote islands of Vanuatu. And that, was, that was just an amazing experience to me. It was, it was just really pivotal in bringing to light the social aspects of sustainability, right? It's not just an environmental challenge. Um, I had the opportunity to work on some of the economic and social development post the Christchurch earthquake as well in New Zealand as well. And that was also quite interesting, um, an interesting um, experience. Um, so after some years in New Zealand, I came to Australia seven years ago. Um, the University of Queensland offered me a job as an academic. I would say, actually, I failed as an academic. <laughs> I, I was not very good at churning out the papers, but I've, I think I've always been good at engaging, bringing people to the table, especially people who don't normally, who wouldn't normally collaborate to solve really complex, we say, wicked challenges. So after about a year in um, what was a more purely academic role, I became the um, Director for the United Nations Principles for Responsible Management Education. It's a long title. Um, I was just called the Prime Director or the Sustainability Director for the University of Queensland at the Business School. And so I spent um, the majority of my time in that role, building up the sustainability program for the business school, and I really enjoyed that. Um, and since then, I, I've moved back into industry, so working with private sector um, at RPM Global, which is a mining advisory firm, and now at KPMG here in Australia as well. So it's been, those are the sort of the main countries I've lived in for, I would say, at least one year in my, in my career. I can really hear how that, um, how that path and that curiosity to, to, and openness to go to different places has really built your expertise over time. I guess um, just a sort of a, a question based on why we're meeting today. What does it mean to you to be selected as a game changer for the Global Australian Awards 2023? Uh, I think there are two parts to my response to that question. One is just as someone who's been in sustainability in different ways for 16 years, 
that sustainability is now so much in the forefront and at the top of everyone's minds that you know you can win awards for it <laughs> um and it's not just you know they're not just niche awards they're more more mainstream awards that are accessible to you know people from different walks of life that is really really encouraging from someone who was previously sort of worked in the shadows been in this sort of niche field so it means a lot from that perspective to be recognized for my work in sustainability um and Secondly, on a more personal level, as an immigrant to this country, to Australia, and Australia is now home, and I am Australian, it just feels like such a, a welcoming gesture to be recognized as an Australian myself by other Australians. Um, I'll never forget my Australian citizenship ceremony. It's such a beautiful experience. I really just felt so included and so welcome to this country. And so to be recognized as a um, game changer or a global Australian in Australia as an immigrant is just, again, just, yeah, just makes my, my heart just feels really full to be, um, even be considered for it. So thank you very much. Oh. Fantastic. Well, it's, uh, it's a fantastic journey for us to learn about as well. What, what advice would you give to a young person who maybe is at school, at university or early in their career who has an interest in working, and I'm sure there's many of them, uh, who has an interest in working in your field, doing something like what you're doing? Oh, gosh, persevere. Um, you just got to keep going. There will be high points, there will be low points, people will tell you you can't do it. You will find angels along the way in life who will encourage you. Um, but you just have to keep going. And, um, and sometimes you feel like you're alone um, and you're the only one doing this, this in, in this particular area, but you have to keep going. And I think I've been, if I reflect on the last 16 years, I would say I regularly decided to continue to pursue this passion. It wasn't just that I decided I wanted to do sustainability, then I put it up on the shelf and I just kind of carried on with my life every year and I pick it up every year for a New Year's resolution. I actually regularly, sometimes daily, would choose again and again to pursue sustainability and you just you bring your best self to it it's it will take time and you know that question how do you eat an elephant you just abide at a time you just every single day decide again and again that you're going to do it and you will you just persevere fantastic great well that's all my questions Kathy, anything you think would be good to explore with Cleanne? I, I do have a question, Cleanne, because now we're uh, linked on LinkedIn. I was looking at a quote that you put up and it was such a, a beautiful quote and it really made me stop and think about it. And I can't remember what it is. I can look it up now, but it's to do with the pace of change oh. is about trust. Trust, you know? yes, yes. Yeah. Can you tell us more about that? Sure. So... Um, the quote is, change happens at the speed of trust. Um, I can't take credit for that. If you look up, search up the speed of trust, there's a book about it. Um, and KPMG also does some um, work around the speed of trust. But I think it's probably a really also a good summary of um, the challenges I faced in building my career along the way in that I often get really impatient because I think how can people not see that we have just 
<laughs> we're facing impending disaster here. We're talking about a climate crisis. There are ecosystems uh, being uh, being demolished, and you know, and there's just poverty in the world. And there's so many things wrong with the world. And you can get very impatient when you're working in this for a number of years. But if I stop and think about that quote, it happens at the speed of trust. It just it one just reminds me to take a step back and build those relationships because. Over the years, it took people trusting me first, building up those relationships, trusting that the things that I said we could achieve can actually be achieved before I was given the responsibility of some of the leadership roles that I was given. So just step back and be a little more patient. On the other side, it also gave me a bit of hope because one, it means that change is possible. I just got to figure out a way to find solutions that resonate with all the different stakeholders involved so that we can take everyone along with us for that journey. So it was a really, um, it meant quite a lot to me the first time I heard that quote, change happens at the speed of trust. Yeah. Thank you. I agree. I, I just, I'd not heard it phrased like that and it was just absolutely spot on. That was my personal indulgent question. <laughs> no, no, I think that's actually... It's, yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's very relevant to sustainability as well because we have people who will lose jobs as we transition into to a low-carbon economy, people who are, whose livelihoods are being upended. Um, and so they need to feel like they can trust those of us in leadership positions, like they can trust our leaders to make decisions that are in their best interest and that they can trust us to look after the best interests of future generations, their children and grandchildren as well. So there's a lot of trust baked into the sustainability change that we're looking towards as a, as a society. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Even down to, as you were speaking, I thought it even comes down to for people who are climate deniers, it's yeah. that they don't trust the data. No. But, you know, no. it's still about trust, isn't it? It is. Absolutely. It's all about trust. You don't trust the data. They don't trust. There's a lot of deep mistrust also in science and, and expertise. And, you know, we have to find a way to overcome some of that because, you know, we need, as I said, to just bring everyone along. Or else it'd be a repeat. In humans, we do this. We have, if we look through our history, I'm gone over time now. <laughs> If we look through our history, we just we have all these unintended, perverse consequences, right? And we mean well. We think we mean well, but we just we're not taking everyone along. We're not taking that system's view of the challenge, and so we're potentially doomed to repeat the past if we don't sort of di dissect it and and do better. And yeah, yes, Kathy, trust is a huge part of it. It has to be uh, an immense part of that. Thank you for listening to this episode. For more inspiring stories of global Australian game changers, please go to our website, advance.org.